0: All right. Hello again, everybody. How's everybody doing? I'm going to be watching the door at eleven o'clock uh, to see anybody that you know rolls in, and we'll start over uh, at eleven if uh, if we need to. <laughs> um, one other announcement. Uh, hopefully, everybody got the email that uh, that I sent it to uh, this Saturday. Uh, We are having a uh, kind of a morning slash early afternoon meeting of all of the leaders of the uh, different programs that we run, the different ministries that we run here at uh, Morning Hour Chapel. So we're going to have the deacons, we're going to have children's ministry, youth ministry, uh, and uh, praise team, and a couple of others that will be here and our, the purpose for for our meeting is first of all just to uh, gather together as one group which has been very difficult to do uh, since the pandemic that started two years ago this week uh, the two years ago uh, yeah two years ago today this sunday was the first sunday that we did not meet uh, because of covid 19. Uh, so we are trying to get things back to normal here and uh, one of those things we're going to do is we're going to get together as ministry leaders just to talk about what, uh, what has been happening in the church, the things that we need to do to uh, kind of forward this idea that we want to carry the light of Christ into our community. Um, so if you did not get that email, and you are a ministry leader, now if you're involved in the ministry, but you're not ministry leader, it's okay, you don't have to be here. But if you're a ministry leader, uh, we're going to be meeting at 9 o'clock, um, and uh, at first we're going to meet right here in the sanctuary, uh, and then we're going to try to figure out from there. We may actually uh, move into smaller groups around the church, Uh, The social hall is being used for something else on Saturday, so we won't be able to be up there, but don't worry, we'll have food elsewhere. Uh, (laughs) So this morning we're continuing our journey with Jesus, and last week we talked about uh, Jesus, we watched him uh, perform his first miracle at a wedding in Cana, and we talked about what miracles are, and that Jesus did perform many of them. And we also talked about how people often misuse the word miracle, especially people who get things clean in their homes um, using miracle products. That uh... Anyway, so we talked about that. We, people use, uh, misuse miracle about as much as they misuse the word awesome. Um, but Jesus performed this miracle. He turned water into wine. And he performed this miracle to help the families whose children were getting married to exhibit hospitality, which we learned was a moral imperative back in Jesus' time. And he performed other miracles to bring dignity of life to people, dignity uh, for the sick, dignity for the dying. And he performed other miracles so that we might believe in him as the Son of God. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the uh, activities that Jesus did throughout his ministry that point back to what I believe is Jesus' primary message, his whole ministry, is wrapped up in this statement, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this week, we're going to see Jesus doing something that he did often, Uh, in many different settings, in many different ways, at many different times. But this activity had one purpose, and that was communication with God, His Father. And that activity is prayer. Now, before we go into what Jesus prayed and how He prayed, um, there are some people that actually ask the question, well, why did Jesus have to pray? I mean, wasn't Jesus God? Was Jesus talking to himself when he was praying? And some folks ask that question, and some people decide that Christianity is kind of foolish because, well, if Jesus is God, why did he have to pray? When Jesus prayed, it wasn't just to show us how to pray, and that's what some people think. Jesus prayed, and preachers preach this, Jesus prayed so that we could learn how to pray. He didn't need to pray, but he was showing us an example. And we see some scripture that supports this. In uh, John chapter 11, when Jesus was at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, um, he prayed this prayer, John eleven forty-one 41 to 42. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And some people interpret Jesus' words here to mean, Father, I know I really don't have to pray because you and I are one, and you know what I'm thinking, and I know what you're thinking, but I'm really doing it for these people out here, right? Right? They don't know what's going on, so I just am going to say this prayer out loud. And of course, we know that when you pick out one scripture or two scripture passages out of the entire Bible to support your theory of what you think, sometimes that can get you into trouble. We have some problems with that. Because you see, in many places in the gospel, um, man, there we go, Um, we read of Jesus going off by himself, to pray, And we don't know what he was praying. We just know that he went off by himself. And certainly, Jesus didn't need to go off by himself to talk to himself. I talk to myself all the time right in front of Wendy. She has no idea what I'm saying. Jesus didn't have to go off by himself. Certainly, his solo prayers weren't for the benefit of other people. He went off by himself to pray. And he did this because that is how human beings Communicate with God the Father. And we know that Jesus was fully human throughout his life and his death. And because he was human, because he came to earth and gave himself that limitation of being human, he had to talk to God the way that we do, through prayer. So let's look at a few of these places, these ways and reasons that Jesus prayed. And let's see if Jesus' prayer life can inform our own. Because we know if we're Christians, we're we're told and, and we've heard in church all through our lives, we need to pray right? We get down on our knees with our kids at their bedsides. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. We sit at the kitchen table or the dining room table. Father, for these gifts we are about to receive, may we be truly thankful, right? We have all of these prayers that we say. But let's see if Jesus can show us some ways to pray that maybe have some more meaning, some more weight so first, let's look at Jesus' most common prayer practices. And we'll start in Mark 1:35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. He got up early in the morning, while it was still dark. How many of you get up? early in the morning while it was still dark. Not some of us do, right? We're used to it. Some of us hate it, right? But he got up early in the morning while it was still dark. And then he went someplace else. And we'll look at why in a minute. But he went to a place that was desolate. And the word desolate here in the Greek has the same meaning as the word wilderness or the word isolated. Jesus went off by himself. And in Luke chapter 5, verses uh, 15 and 16, we read that praying in a desolate place was common. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. We see in these passages that Jesus is almost always praying constantly surrounded by people and in the mark passage his disciples um, after it says that he went to pray his disciples come looking for him he's gone off to a desolate place and his disciples wake up and he's not there well where's Jesus we got to go find him oh there's his footprints in the sand let's go there he is And in this passage, we see that great crowds gathered around him, mothers with multiple children. You know what I'm talking about. Don't you? Maybe even some dads, but moms with multiple children. My wife calls it being pecked to death by chickens. (laughs) You know what it's talking about. The kids, they're always there. Some of you are old enough to remember this commercial tagline, Calgon, take me away, right? And the commercial is this mom with all of these kids and all of this stuff and all of this pressure. Just take me away. This was Jesus' everyday life. Every day, large crowds of people were around him, wanting things from him. Jesus, teach me. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, I have a question. Jesus, what about this? Jesus, what about that? And we read through the Gospels that Jesus was full of compassion for these people. He loved them. He wanted to help them as much as he could But Jesus knew that he could not be fully present for those people if he didn't get away and pray to his father and spend some time communicating with him. So Jesus went to desolate places. He prayed by himself where the sounds of the crowd And the pressures of his growing ministry were far, far away. And we see that he did this early in the morning while it was still dark. And sometimes the only time we have, the only time that we feel that we have to ourselves is in that early morning time. Right? We wake up, grab a cup of coffee, take a shower, get dressed, before the kids wake up, before the husband needs you to sew something, before somebody's asking, where are my keys, where are my books, where's my other shoe? We have that time, that first thing in the morning time. And then things get loud. And we have the kids and we have the husbands and the wives and the bosses and we have the emails and the texts and the phone calls and all the pressures of the day just kind of weighing us down and all of this noise coming at us from all directions. And that's when we try to pray. When all of this noise is coming, kids, you know what I'm talking about. God, help me on this test. I've got all of this knowledge in my head and it's all rolling around and I have no idea what these questions mean. But we try to pray while all of this noise is happening. And part of praying is listening for the voice of God. And how are we going to listen for a still, small voice when everything is coming at us from all directions like this? God's voice invariably gets lost or we just don't take enough time to listen for him because other pressures other things we gotta do if we take some time away from everything else and if that means getting up very early in the morning while it is still dark and going someplace take a walk Get in your car and drive someplace where you know nobody can find you. And just take some time to talk to God and then make sure you have enough time to listen for Him to answer. How many of you have ever heard God answer you when you were praying? Anybody? Two times this has happened. Of all of the hours and hours and hours that I've ever spent praying, two times, and it was because I took the time. I got away. And I just sat in silence and took that time to listen for his voice. Because when he has the opportunity to talk to us instead of us just talking at him, he's gonna answer. He's going to tell us what we should be doing he's going to tell us what he wants us to know and i encourage you find those times where you can just get away and be silent with God it's the primary reason that we see Jesus praying in Luke chapter 6 verses 12 to 13 he needs an answer to a question And in Luke chapter 6, we read, in in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. And he was praying for something very specific. He needed an answer to a specific question. And when day came, after his night of prayer, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Jesus spent all night on the mountain to ask the Father, who are my guys? Who should I choose as my apostles? And he spent that night there, and he listened for God to answer him. Remember, Jesus wasn't automatically born with all knowledge downloaded into his brain. Being fully human, Jesus needed to communicate with the Father in prayer, and he did this to receive instruction. And he prayed by himself. He removed himself from the hustle and the bustle of life. He learned which 12 disciples he should call to his inner circle, and after he got his answer, he acted. And we must do the same. If we are going to take the time to listen for God's voice and listen for His instruction, if we then decide not to take action on it, we got problems. When we listen for God's voice, we need to act. Jesus planned. His prayer time. He knew the times that he needed to talk to the Father. He would go in the mornings. He would go at night. He would go anywhere to discern what the Father would have him do next in his ministry. I imagine that the Father would tell him, you should go to this town. You should go to this place. There's somebody there that needs ministering to. Jesus modeled prayer for us. Jesus showed us by his actions how we ought to pray and how we ought to treat the answers to our prayer. And we're really good at looking for other people to give us advice. How many of you go to other people for advice on things? I do it. Hey, uh, you know, I'm I'm in school. Hey, I've got this student who's being really um, obnoxious. What can I do? Have you had him before? What works for you? We get advice on all of these things. We get advice on life. Should I marry him? Should I marry her? Should I take this job? Should I move to California? Should I do this? Should I do that? And we ask all of these different people for advice. How many of you ask God for advice? How many of you ask God, should I move to this place? Should I take this job? Should I be friends with this person? If we call ourselves disciples of Jesus, when these huge life decisions are looming, we need to ask God about them. Not for advice, but for wisdom. Because usually we'll ask wise people for advice, and God's wisdom is greater than any wisdom ever. Why would we not go off by ourselves and sit for a while and say, God, I've got this opportunity. I know it's going to mean this, 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 and this. Should I do it? Should I go? Should I quit? Should I change jobs? We should be able to sit with God and listen for His answer. And we don't. And do you know why we don't? Because we're afraid we won't like the answer. We're afraid God will say something that we don't like or that we don't want to do. Right? When uh, Wendy and I were deciding whether or not to uh, become pastor of the church down in Dillsburg, we prayed a lot and sometimes I just didn't really want to hear what God had to say I was I was I was excited about making that move and being pastor and then after I heard God say yes then I wanted to look for all of the reasons why we shouldn't because all of a sudden I didn't like God's answer it was a little too uncomfortable now Oh, you mean we've got to sell our house? We've got to move our kids out of the school district that they've been in for the last six to eight years? We've got to find new friends. We've got to find new people. We've got to find all of this stuff. We're going to be alone. Our family's going to be even further away. God, are you sure that your answer was really yes, we should do this? Are you, are you, are you positive, really? Sometimes we don't listen because we don't want the answer to be something other than what we want. And we got to get over that. As disciples of Jesus Christ, if we are going to live according to God's will, we got to know what that will is. And then we got to do it. That's the hardest part. But think about that when you pray. Do you really want God to answer your prayers? Hopefully you do. Hopefully you want to do his will. But for the rest of the morning, I want to t- take a look at one time where Jesus uh, talked about praying for someone where the prayer was not the result that maybe some people were hoping for. And during the Last Supper, we read about all of these things that Jesus did, uh, but at one point he's sitting there, he's talking to his disciples, and about a great many things. He talks about what the future is going to look like. He talks about that he's going to prepare a place for them and that he's going to come back and he's going to take them to himself. But at one point in this conversation, in this great conversation, where he's talking about all the great things that that are going to happen in eternal life and all these things, he turns to Simon Peter and he says, I've been praying for you, Simon. Can you imagine? Jesus has been praying for me we read about this in Luke chapter 22 Simon Simon behold Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat now before we talk about the prayer part let's talk about the sifting like wheat part anybody know what sifting wheat actually entails one or two of you might know what sifting of wheat actually entails and the disciples knew because they lived in an agricultural society they knew what this meant We sometimes don't know what this means. It's like, it's flowery language, and and it's nice. Sift you like wheat. But what does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it means. Once wheat is harvested, and back in this day, and in some smaller societies now, they would gather all of the wheat together, and they would lay it out on this stone or this concrete floor. Right? So they need to separate the wheat grain from everything else. And I don't know if you've ever seen a a stalk of wheat, but it's like this huge stalk and it's got some leaves and it's got the grain up at the top. And they start with this process called threshing. And of course, all of us biblical people, oh yes, the threshing floor. We've read about that in King David. But the threshing floor is where the, the wheat is laid out Onto a stone floor, and it is beaten with a flail. A flail is like a little pair, of, well, not a little pair, a big pair of nunchucks. Anybody ever, you guys know what nunchucks are, right? You know, those Bruce Lee movies and everything. And it's this big, long pole with an eye hook at the top. And on this eye hook is tied another pole. And basically, the farmer would lay out the harvested wheat and beat it with a stick to separate the wheat. And I mean, literally, and I've, I've watched videos of farmers doing it, and literally, it's like, I've been working on the railroad and just really pulverizing these plants. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to separate the grain from what we call the chaff or the Stuff that's no good. After they spend time, and, and usually, they're, they're spending a good 20, 30 minutes just beating this wheat to death. Then they, they start doing something called winnowing, and they use a winnowing fork. Kind of looks like a rake. And they take this fork, and they kind of start uh, throwing the wheat up in the air. And the hope is that there's a little bit of a breeze, and what happens is that the chaff, which is very light, will blow away. And the wheat, which is heavy, will fall back to the ground. So they just do this over and over again. After they've beaten this wheat to a pulp, then they throw it up in the air, and they just keep doing it until all they have is wheat. Now, in uh, more modern societies, they'll do it a little more gently. They'll have all of everything in a bowl, and they'll have a fan and they'll like let the fan blow it away. But in this time, it was just just throwing. I mean, wheat really (laughs) was treated poorly to get this grain. Jesus is telling Simon that Satan, God's enemy, has demanded. Get that word in, in, in this passage. Demanded. To have Simon... SO THAT HE CAN SIFT HIM LIKE WHEAT. WHAT JESUS IS SAYING HERE IS SIMON, SATAN WANTS TO LAY YOUR LIFE BARE, PULVERIZE IT, TOSS IT UPSIDE DOWN, AND DESTROY WHO YOU ARE. THAT'S WHAT JESUS IS SAYING. AND OF COURSE, YOU KNOW, SIMON'S SITTING THERE, OH GOOD. I haven't had a good pulverizing in a long time. This is going to be great, Jesus. No. But Jesus then says, but I have prayed for you. Can you imagine Jesus looking you in the face and saying, Cindy, I have prayed for you. How would that make you feel? Yes. yes. That's exactly how I imagine Simon reacting to this. Yes, Jesus is praying for me, and Satan wants to get me, but he's not going to get me because I'm on Jesus' side. Woo-hoo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for praying for me. Hold on, Simon. Let me finish my statement. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. hold up a minute Jesus But you're actually going to let this happen you're going to let Satan pulverize my life Jesus prayed that when Satan does his worst to destroy Simon that Simon's faith will not fail you guys can come in you need to hear this too Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt pulverized by Satan? Have you ever been in a place in your life where everything seemed to be crashing down on your head? And after it crashed down on your head, that's when the fun started. That's when people just started coming and beating you and throwing your life in the air. You ever felt like that? Anybody? Just me? Okay now imagine somebody comes up to you and says you know I'm praying for you not that the pulverizing will stop but just that you'll come out strong on the other side of it (laughs) we don't usually think that way when we pray our gut reaction when somebody tells us that they're going through this time I'm going through a hard time Satan is really attacking me and what is our prayer God please take this away from them Protect them from Satan. Take the cancer away. Take the heartache of this divorce away. Take the things away. Change these things so that this person doesn't have to go through whatever it is that they're going through. Calgon, take it away. It's not necessarily a bad thing to pray that way. Obviously, we don't like to watch our friends and our family in pain. Jesus didn't even want to be in pain. That's why he prayed, Father, take this cup away from me when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was killed. Father, take this cup away from me. Satan was getting ready to sift Jesus like wheat, like literally. Jesus was literally flailed before he was crucified. That's what Satan was getting ready to do, and Christ knew that that's what Satan was going to get ready to do because God had told him, this is what Satan's going to do to you. This is what's going to happen to you. Father, I don't want this to happen to me. Please take this cup away from me. That's a natural human response. Jesus knew What Peter was about to go through. Jesus Jesus knew that Peter was going to follow him to the garden of Gethsemane. Fall asleep three times when Jesus told him to pray. Then get woken up by a bunch of soldiers who were coming to arrest Jesus. Then Peter decides to pull a sword and draw blood cutting off a guy's ear. And then Jesus yells at him about it. And then when they finally arrest Jesus, Peter runs away with everybody else. And an hour later, he comes upon these groups of people that were telling him, Hey, I saw you with that guy that's in there being arrested and beaten and punched in the face and spit on. And what was Peter's response? I don't know the guy. Jesus knew that three times before the next morning, before the next sunrise, before the rooster crowed, that Peter would deny that he knew him three times. And Jesus also knew the tremendous, tremendous guilt that would rack Peter after he denied knowing Jesus. Because we read in scripture that after he denied Jesus and after the cock crew, and after Peter remembered the words of Jesus, he ran out of the city and he wept bitterly. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not. We don't see Peter again until after Jesus is dead. That's something for another time. Jesus knew what Peter was going to be going through and Jesus Prayed for him. Jesus ended his statement to Peter like this And when you have turned again, when you come back, when you get over the guilt, when you realize that I still love you, that I died for you, and that I rose again, strengthen your brothers. Because when we go through things that pulverize us and we come through strong on the other side through the strength of Jesus Christ and God the Father, We can strengthen other people. We can tell them, yes, you can get through this. It might not be easy. It might not be pretty, but you can get through it. God is going to bring you through to the other side, and you're going to be stronger for it. Church, we're going to go through some hard times. It's inevitable. Individually, as a congregation... We're going to go through some hard times, but maybe that's what needs to happen. Jesus says in John, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. In order to get to the good part of the wheat, that grain that is useful for everything, the rest of the plant has to die. It has to be pulverized. In order to develop strong faith in Jesus Christ, sometimes it might take our lives being sifted. And sifting is hard. Sifting is painful. Sifting can be violent. But the sifting is what gets rid of all of the bad stuff surrounding our useful grain. And when you find yourself being sifted, it's going to be easy to pray, Father, let this cup pass away from me. But we need to remember the other part of Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, let this cup pass away from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. God, if I have to go through this suffering, if this is what you want, I'll do it. And I'm going to rely on your strength and your protection to get me through to the other side. Folks, that is what prayer is. It is talking to the Father. It is asking for His will, and that it is asking for the strength to do it every single time. And sometimes we just don't know how to pray. And next week we're going to take a closer look at the prayer that Jesus taught us, that we recite over and over and over again, almost ad nauseum, and church services, and funerals, and weddings, and all these things, but do we really know what it means to pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray? Next week, we're going to take a look closer at how we ought to be praying. We're also going to look at the things that Jesus taught us to do as a result of teaching us to pray. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time. Father, life is loud. Life is noisy. The cares of this world and the stresses and all of the things that come down on our heads, on our shoulders, it's sometimes almost too much. Father, help us to decide to find a time and a place To sit with you. To pray to you. And to listen for your voice. To ask our questions and listen for your answers. To ask what you want us to do and then to do it. Father, we pray that you will give us that strength. Even if it means being sifted like wheat that you will give us strength to endure. Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to be sifted like wheat, to be completely destroyed so that you could raise him from the dead and promise us eternal life. Thank you, Father. Amen. Find a time Find a place that you can be quiet with God. Take time to sit and talk to Him. Take time to sit and listen for His voice. I promise you, He will talk to you. God bless you this week.